the text that calls for our attention on this Lord's Day. As both our gospel reading from Matthew 18 and also our Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 33, which says this. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Those words, which I just read from the Old Testament reading, are ones that can literally keep pastors up at night. For those words command that those who have been given oversight over the church are to speak words of warning to those who are going off in sinful ways. They must tell people of the peril they are in if they continue to walk in sin. God says, in fact, that if pastors do not speak that word of warning to those who are going off on their own, they themselves, the pastors, shall be held accountable for the sins of those they have been given watch over. They are told that the blood of those they failed to warn will be upon their hands. And why is it that such a strong warning would be needed to be given to the overseers in the church? Wouldn't you think that the overseers in the church would naturally want to warn people if they were going off into dangerous places? Well, I can tell you the truth. In most cases, when there is a word of warning to be given to someone that is continuing in sin, the pastor would rather not speak that word of warning. Why? Well, it rarely makes them the most popular person within the congregation. Pastors hear stories of how other pastors have spoken a word and then ended up having their salary cut, their health benefits taken away, their jobs removed. And so, pastors often struggle internally about whether they should speak the word that they know in their heart is true. Most regularly, they are encouraged by others to remain silent. After all, who is it that wants any sort of upheaval within their congregation? People are fearful if a word is spoken that people might leave the church. And if they leave the church, perhaps it will make it hard for the church to continue operating. They are hopeful that if just enough time is given, that person will come to their own senses without any word being spoken. And yet, the words of the Lord remain. If you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. And yet these other words of the Lord from the gospel remain. If your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault. The prophets of old spoke about these words of warning as words that often burned within them so strongly that in the end they had to spit them out for relief. No, the prophets of old didn't like speaking these words either, for they were often not threatened with a reduction in salary 
but the end of their life. What is it then that ultimately gives the pastor the strength to finally spit out the words that need to be spoken? Is it solely this word of warning from the Lord that if he does not, he will be held accountable for the sins of those people? While indeed those words are powerful and crushing, there is another more pleasant truth that God gives to open the mouths of those he has chosen to speak his word. And that is this. Every word of warning that the Lord wants spoken is not spoken in order to crush someone and push them away from God. Much to the contrary. Every word of warning that God speaks, he intends it to cause the person to come back to him and have life. As our gospel reading tells us, this work that God wants done is done with the sole intention of gaining a brother or a sister back into the family of God. The work is done in order that our brother or sister who is going off in sin might be brought back to Jesus and have life. No, God never warns with the hope of bringing death. He always warns with the hope of restoring life. He warns in order to bring reconciliation between himself and the one who is sinning. He warns in order to bring reconciliation between two people that are in conflict with one another. He warns because he's loving, and he doesn't want any of his little ones to perish. And so he commands the watchman to cry out. He commands the watchman to cry out for the very same reason that government officials have been yelling warnings down in Florida for days now in advance of the hurricane. He warns because there is truly danger lying ahead. He warns not to scare or to frighten, but to save and to keep safe. God is so committed to this task that he not only told the prophets of old how to go about this task with their words, but he also, when he was in the flesh, as Jesus Christ specifically detailed how such work is to happen. It's right there in our gospel reading for today at the end of our reading from Matthew chapter 18. He says there that the first warning about sin should be done face to face with no one else present. There's no reason to soil the reputation of a brother or sister in Christ and so you go between you and him alone with a simple word reminding him of the word of the Lord. And Jesus says, if your brother heeds your warning, well, then you have gained your brother back. And the work is done because that was the purpose of the work in the first place, to win back the brother or the sister. But if the sister does not heed the warning, then the Lord instructs that one or two others should be taken along to speak that same warning, but now with multiple voices. This is meant to assure the one who is being spoken to that it is not just one person who's picking on them because they don't like them, but rather that three are coming to them with testimony that what the warning being spoken is is nothing else than the word of God. 
Yes. The hope, again, is that the brother or sister will be won back by this warning. And if they are, well, then we have gained our brother or sister back. And there's no more work to be done for the work was only ever meant to gain them back. But then Jesus goes on that if the brother or the sister does not heed the warning of the individual or of the two or the three, well, then in the end, the thing must be brought before the entire congregation. The entire church must, in a last-ditch effort, speak in unison that warning from the Word of God. They call the sinner to repentance. They seek to lead them to repentance with the reminder that God offers them forgiveness and life. They tell the sinner that they desire to have their brother or their sister back amongst them in that local congregation of all sorts of sinners who have been brought back by the word of God to that congregation. And again, if the sister or the brother heeds that word, well then, that is it. The work is done. For again, the only reason for this work is to gain a brother or a sister back. But finally, Jesus issues these strong words. If they will not even listen to the whole church, well, then they are to be treated as a Gentile or a tax collector. That is to be said, they are to be treated as an unbeliever who has strayed away from Christ and his church in order to seek after the pleasures of sin. And there is no joy when that happens. That is not what God intends this process to bring about. But if the person will not listen in the end, that is where it ends up. We should make clear in talking through these steps that none of these steps are necessarily one-time meetings. In fact, the best counsel regarding these steps is that the one step is tried as long as they think there's any hope of being fruit from that discussion. But if a brother or sister makes clear that they will not be gained back, that they will not listen, then we are called to proceed to the next step. I think if we are honest with ourselves and think back on our life together as God's people, we have to admit that the Christian church has not done this difficult work that it has been called to in Matthew 18 for many, many years without, with any regularity, I should say. And each of us in our own lives have failed in many situations to seek reconciliation with someone that has sinned against us or we have sinned against them. We have failed also to go to a brother or sister who we see walking off in sin and seek to gently restore them to the faith. I think we don't do this because we too wonder how this word will be received. But we must know that this word must be received. It is God's own word and not our own. So no, in an effort to maintain the appearance of peace, we cannot allow sin to just reign. For if we do so, the word of the Lord says that the blood of many people will be upon our hands. And there's only one solution when you have the blood of others upon your hands. And that's to hear the word of warning yourself. To hear God's word. For that word of warning comes to us again today from the Father. In order that he might win us back to himself. 
He leads us today to repentance by reminding us that that blood that is upon our hands, he wishes to wash completely off. He wishes to cover us in the blood of the Lamb instead. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Lamb of God who was slain upon the cross and then left out of the tomb three days later. No, he does not want us to go away. He wants us to come near. He wants us to come near and have that life that Jesus has died and risen for us to have. And so in the end, we remember that it is not ultimately just pastors who need to hear the warning of God about speaking to those that are going off in sin, but all of us who are his people through baptism should hear. While no doubt pastors have been given a special role in overseeing the flock, all of us as brothers and sisters have an accountability to each other to watch out for one another. And if we truly care for one another, we won't just let each other walk away from Christ to chase after this sin or after that sin. No, instead we will go to our brother or our sister alone and implore them to return. We will take one or two others with us and implore them to come back. We will speak with one voice as the church, if we must. Today we thank God that he does not remain silent while we go away from him. Thanks be to God that he does not just, in order to make us not be mad at him, be silent. Thanks be to God that he calls us back to himself in order that we might have life in his Son. The blood upon your hands, the blood upon mine, well, it is washed away today with the blood of Christ. Thanks be to him who never gives up on us. Thanks be to him that always desires that we would return to him. Thanks be to him who even when we take one step back towards him comes running like the father to the prodigal son to embrace us again with his love and mercy. That is what God's word of warning is meant to accomplish. May it do so in our lives. Amen.